In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. As we know, any great person's final words are important. They're often worth remembering. Emily Dickinson, the great poet, her last words were, I must go in, for the fog is rising. Harriet Tubman, who organized the Underground Railroad, her last words were apparently simply, swing low, sweet chariot. And then there's Elvis Presley's last words, which were apparently, I'm going to the bathroom to read. Jesus' final words to his disciples are the so-called Great Commission. And in this Great Commission, he paints a picture, this beautiful picture of all nations coming together in baptism and belief. Now, in this brief sermon, I want to concentrate on that very first sentence of his commission. What he says is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is what he chose to say. Now, authority is a timely word. It means or it refers to usually the power or right to influence others and oneself. It's akin to autonomy. Many would say that we are living through a crisis, of various crises right now, and a lot of them have to do with competing authority. People are fighting over authority. Governors with presidents, mayors with business owners, teachers with parents, and of course, police with protesters. A lot of people who we've given authority have used it in negative ways. Authority tends to be a, a dirty word. What we're seeing in the rioting and the terrible outcry or the, 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 agony, the anguished outcry uh, right now is a voice from the black community that the word, the authorities, uh, is not a happy word. When the authorities are coming, that does not breed confidence. Of course, then you have mob authority. And what it, many people are experiencing firsthand what that is like. And then we hear about the use of unauthorized force, unauthorized force. And we mourn those who have felt its uh, terrible and tragic sting. And I'm referring specifically to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many others. Now, speaking of authority, I personally don't feel like I have the authority to address this situation and the myriad uh, on crises that are currently uh, afflicting us. I don't feel like I have the expertise, the confidence, the know-how, sometimes even the desire. This is daunting. But I can speak to you of the one who claimed to have authority. So today, if you're someone who, who feels the wrong person or people have authority or maybe that no one has authority or simply that you don't have any authority, well, listen afresh 
I invite you to the words of Jesus' great commission. I think it's also a little uh, ironic that my family and I have just bought a puppy. Uh, and everything you read about training a puppy is telling you that you need to be firm with the puppy and display authority. And here, as if I needed any more lesson on my lack of authority, my, this puppy does not seem to um, recognize my authority almost at all. Now, perhaps this is in line with what Christ is saying, because when Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, he is making a statement about us. Because if the last few months have taught us anything, is that we, we do not have authority over Mother Nature. We certainly do not have authority over disease and death. This has been a painful lesson but an omnipresent one. Moreover, we are learning that we do not have authority over our own lives. Who in February would have predicted this would be where we would be in June? I'm reminded of the classic joke of how do you make God laugh? Well, you tell him your plans. And if you are watching this, odds are your summer plans have been canceled. Our lives, our year has not turned out the way we thought, certainly not the way we hoped. Of course, the lack of authority is surely a, a, a part of the cancer of racism. Authority that is portioned or withdrawn, that's dictated by race, it is a false authority. It is the essence of sin. You know, Toni Morrison wrote that if you can only be tall because someone else is on their knees, well, you have a problem. The one way we grasp for authority is to demean and degrade others. And for this, we must own up and repent. Now, let's take this even one step further. We... We seldom have authority over ourselves. Maybe you have a habit that you cannot kick. Maybe in quarantine, you have a reaction or to the headlines. You have a reaction that you wish were different or the, a reaction that you wish your, your loved one wishes were different. You watch as fear morphs into anger and frustration morphs into despair and none of this do you feel you have authority over. You know, St. Paul puts it this way in Romans 7. He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Jesus himself says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Sigmund Freud tells us that the ego is not master in its own house, and so on, and so on, and so on. And yet, just because we don't have authority doesn't mean that no one does. Because that is ultimately what Christ is trying to convey in his last words. He is claiming authority and not just a little bit authority, but all authority. Now, lest you, you wince from that word, well, let us, how, how, how does Christ exercise his authority? What we know and what we have read and what we have seen is that he lays down his authority. 
He subordinates himself. He suffers death for you and for me. He sacrifices himself for wayward, angry people, even the mob. He absorbs the brutality of the world. That's what he does with his authority. He absorbs the bias and the sin because his authority is the authority of love, not the authority of control. Now, this means a number of things, but one thing it does mean is that because all authority belongs to Jesus Christ, that means that earthly authority in any form is provisional. And maybe you need to hear that today. All earthly authority is provisional. It comes and it goes. But secondly, you have been relieved of the authority you never had in the first place. And a relieved life is a life of trust, a life where one can look to the one who actually has authority, the one who loves us so much that he sacrificed his authority to save us. We pray to God, we cry out to God, for after all, God is the only one who has the power to do anything about our troubles. And yet, if we're honest, we look around at the world, we look around at the, at the we, we watch television, and we simply peer at our, our, what's going on in our community, and it can seem that Christ has ceded his authority. He has allowed others to abuse it in his name, and it is easy to despair. Well, this morning, allow me to remind you that Christian hope does not lie in what is seen. Paul writes that hope that is seen is not hope. Whatever genuine, authentic hope is, it does not reside in the facts on the ground. In fact, it almost sounds like Paul is suggesting that what we see will induce fear and despair. Hope, real hope, it lives elsewhere. My brother Simeon talks about moving to England about 15 years ago, just after he'd gotten married. And when he initially moved, they moved into the smallest apartment that he had ever seen. You could not even walk around the bed. Uh, the kitchen could only fit one person. The fire alarm went off every time you used the shower. It was dreadful. And so he brings his new wife, his bride, Bonnie, to this place. And he says she'll, he'll never forget that she came in she looked around and then burst into tears. She couldn't see a way to happiness in this place, in this new country with no friends living in this box. And in that moment, he felt the same way. The horizon of Christian hope, though, is the horizon of superabundance, and it is not limited by what we perceive around us. We believe in the God who creates something from nothing. Well, maybe you today are trapped in a situation, in a predicament 
where you are filled with fear about the lack of authority that you sense in life and in your own self. Perhaps today you need hope that is grounded beyond the situation as you see it. Well, my brother testifies that when they now look back on that tiny apartment, he doesn't see suffering and limitation. and says what he sees is the incubator of their entire future, where so much that is good about their life, their, their professional callings, their deep friendships, their love of their new culture, their new home, in fact, indeed, their three children were birthed from that difficult and limited and not at all obvious uh, apartment. So that's my prayer for you today. In whatever situation is bringing you fear and despair, wherever the lack of authority uh, is felt to be most acute, that you might be given a glimpse of God's unique logic of hope. Capturing precisely this dynamic, my friend Keith Votes wrote the following. He said, I suppose if I thought that the coming of the kingdom of God was in any way reliant on humankind, I would be hopeless too. I suppose if I thought that Jesus Christ wasn't going to come again and judge both the living and the dead with mercy and truth, I would be hopeless too. I suppose if I didn't believe that all things were being brought to their perfection, I would be hopeless too. I suppose if I didn't believe that God didn't deliver people out of their bondage time and again, I would be hopeless too. And I suppose if I had not lived through countless ordeals that I should not have survived except by the grace of God, I would be hopeless too. Fortunately, I believe that God is far bigger than our human sin, and that gives me great hope, even in the midst of so much despair. Well, friends, this morning, perhaps it's enough simply to remember that we believe in a God whose very last words are not a command, but a promise. And it's a promise to you. This promise to remember that I am with you always to the end of this age. Amen.